sales teams will go more and more towards a future where salespeople don't have to spend their time on software. Software actually helps them and it organizes a whole lot of stuff for them so that they can build better client relationships and, and focus much more on the things that salespeople are inherently good at. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about frustrations with CRM, specifically Salesforce and others, but it is one of those banes of the existence of most sales reps. Uh, it's a bane of existence for sales leadership because many of them can't trust the data that is put into the system. And to help us talk about this today, we have with us Jeroen Korthout, co-founder of Sales Salesflare, excuse me. Jeroen, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So before we jump in, we always like to start with just a topic to help our audience get to know you a little bit better. And always curious to find out something you're passionate about that maybe our audience would be surprised to learn about you. Last year, I started singing. I always liked uh, singing, but then I uh, figured at some point, uh, why don't I just take it up a notch and start taking singing classes? And I was having a lot of fun with that until Corona came around. Uh, because not only uh, did, did, did the classes end, not only did the organization that or, uh, offered the classes uh, not find it economically viable anymore, but it's also the best way to spread Corona. So <laughs> that's yeah, that is true. Projecting, what kind of what kind of singing are we talking about? Uh, just just for fun. I uh, it's just that that I I like uh, in general singing songs, <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to get better at it. So taking classes is really nice because it, uh, you can improve your skills and it's with other people. You learn from other people, you, you, you learn some techniques. Uh, there's no purpose behind this at all. It's just fun. Just a passion. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So, um, how about a little bit of context around sales flare? What does sales flare do kind of your role as co-founder there? What, what does that mean you're doing day to day? Yeah. Salesflare, uh, first of all, is a um, sales CRM. So that means a CRM focused on the sales aspect, which is the core aspect in most cases. That means it's, it's focused on you following up leads and customers and organizing that very well so that no leads fall through the cracks. It's focused on small and medium-sized businesses, specifically the ones that sell B2B. That's because it's very much focused on companies, like following up companies and all the people there. So that sort of places it within a space of more than uh, 600 CRMs. Where we differentiate versus other people in the, in the closest space, uh, think companies like HubSpot or Pipedrive, is that we focus much more on automated data inputs. So in Salesflare, when you're tracking stuff, really the, the, the flows in the software are, are th thought up in such a way that no matter what you do, things will just uh, be suggested to you. So you, you, for instance, you, you create a company, there's a search engine of companies, you click on the right one, 
It pulls in extra information about the company. It tells you who you already know at the company. You can just add these people with one click. It pulls in the timeline from there and it just flows in such a way that it's just a minimal amount of clicks and keystrokes to track your customers. And in a way that uh, also from there, then the software really helps you with following up your customers by nudging you in all kinds of ways, which obviously starts with keeping track of the data for you automatically. And so as we were prepping for the interview and stuff, you mentioned that you've been around about six, six and a half years. Kind of curious as a co-founder, where did, where did the idea for this come from? Where was, what was the genesis? What kind of problems were you trying to solve? Yeah. Previous to Salesforce, I actually worked in a marketing consultancy. I was a, a sales guy there, like selling the projects and also uh, managing them to a certain extent. Salesforce was my very first CRM system. I took it very, very seriously and People had told me that um, it would help me uh, organize my sales. So I really tried to use it for that, for sales follow-up, which I, I didn't really manage to do, even though I, I started putting in tasks and logging things and all that. It, it didn't really work for me. It was very um, complicated uh, to achieve the purpose. And, and it seemed very much... Very different from, for instance, organizing myself in, in Wunderlist, the task management system, or in Outlook itself. Right. So actually, I, I, I reverted back to these two systems. And um, I started to notice that this was a general thing. Like none of my colleagues were organizing themselves in Salesforce. The only thing we used it for was for management reporting and for sort of mapping who was on which account. But apart from that, nothing much happened in there. It was really not what they said it was. And I didn't do anything with that inside for a few years until I was working with my current co-founder on another software company. We had just gone to a big conference in Vegas. It was an IBM conference. We, we sold software that was compatible to their software. And we had a lot of leads. And we looked for a good way to follow those up. And I knew Salesforce wasn't going to help. So we looked then into some other CRMs. And we noticed that actually... It wasn't just Salesforce that didn't work for us. None of them worked for us because they always failed with <laughs> us not really having the necessary discipline to keep them up to date the way we were expected to keep them up to date. We felt like we didn't really have that discipline to be these like perfect data input robots. And we then figured that this is actually why most salespeople hate CRM. You need to do a whole lot of work and then it doesn't give you much in return. It's just your, 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 your manager sort of doing reporting and, and looking at what you're doing. And we also thought it doesn't have to be that way because actually all of the things that we were putting into the CRM, like um, for instance, you, you send someone an email and then you go into the system and you say, send an email. Or you meet someone new and then you need to think, oh, I need to put this person in the CRM. You get their information somewhere very often their, their email signature or so, and you put that into the CRM. Or you have a meeting with someone and you, you put that in, but that's actually already in your calendar. Or you, you, you call with someone that's actually already in your phone. And we figured like all the data to keep the CRM up to date already exists. All we need to do is sort of plug into all these kind of places, extract the data, organize it, and offer it. And that will make it very easy for salespeople to follow up every single thing about their customers without having to go through all the work that was uh, uh, yeah, that was usual. 
So we, we built an intelligence CRM on top of existing data that organizes the data automatically. It helps you follow up customers, like I said. It provides overview and we've been building more and more automation on top of that so that, for instance, now on top of all the data that exists, you can put triggers to send out automated email sequences and things like that, all with the, with the, with the mission that, that salespeople can focus on their customers so they can perfectly follow them up, not disappoint the customers without spending too much time on data input and software and all that. And that's still our, our biggest mission today. And when we think about CRM, you're 100% right. The vast majority of, of sales professionals are not taking the time to or apply the discipline to update things. And I'm kind of curious, have you seen, a, do you have a percentage of a percentage or a measurement of how much you've reduced that manual input necessity? It's very hard. We, we usually say 70% because we once sort of empirically calculated that, but it's hard to say. I would say... A better measure maybe is that if you look at our revenue, for instance, 91% right now, I think of our revenue comes from active customers that are really actively using the software day in, day out, which is a lot uh, if you compare with, with other CRMs. And that's just because to keep using it, there isn't this, this, this high barrier, this, this high amount of work that you need to put in. Because like you said, most salespeople don't have the discipline to, to keep the CRM up to date. And I honestly believe that no one has that discipline consistently. Like, as we all know, uh, when salespeople are not selling so well, they, they tend to input all the data into the CRM. They're very careful about it because, I mean, they're not selling. <laughs> so they, they have something to show. Uh, but then as soon as you start selling, then you feel invincible and then you start uh, saying to your manager like, oh, what would you rather have me do? Fill out the CRM and, or close deals? And um, I don't think anyone is, is really um, immune to that. Yeah, it is, it is definitely a cycle that as a former sales executive uh, managing global teams, we saw all the time. And it was a challenge because we couldn't get, we couldn't get them to input the data. We couldn't get reliable things for us at a reporting level to then make educated and informed decisions for the business. And so it has a long-term ripple effect, as, especially as an organization is growing. And so I'm, I'm curious, when you talk about activity, active, 91% active customer usage, how do you define active? Is it they're using it on a daily basis, weekly basis, or it's pulling data into the system? How do, how do we kind of define that? Is that they're in the software on the, I think, bi-weekly basis, at okay. least. I mean, that's the cutoff. Okay. And have you seen differences? Um, you know, do you have an example or a case study or, or kind of a story you can share with us about, you know, somebody that might've been using something else that started using uh, Salesflare and kind of the, what you've heard back from that particular customer or, or in that instance? Yeah. Well, usually people um, start using Salesflare either from the, um, the sales rep perspective of when or which sometimes also on the manager level of we need to follow up leads better. A lot of leads are slipping through the cracks. And then from a manager perspective, it's also often like, okay, we have no insight into what's happening. We don't know if somebody leaves, like who have they been talking to? What has been discussed? Somebody is sick, what do we do? 
which customers are we actually talking to? Uh, is that going well? Is it not going well? Can I coach my salespeople? All these kind of questions. But the basic question is really about following up leads. And when I did customer interviews just about a year ago uh, with some of our uh, larger customers, there was one who said that they had saved $1 million in revenue over that year by using Salesflare. And this is just a team with, it's not a very large customer with, with, with three users. And actually when, when COVID came around, they were very early with contact, contacting us on support and saying like, uh, hey, uh, I, I'd like to close my account to save some costs uh, with, with COVID. And I remembered like how they said that they, uh, they saved a million a year and that they were paying us 105 a month. And I uh, pointed them to that uh, fact and they said, oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should uh, keep using the software. <laughs> it's, it's actually been working. Let's, let's not break it. Yeah. And so when, when you think about kind of what the future holds for the development of, of Salesflare and things that uh, sales reps may need uh, or benefit from in the future, kind of what does that product vision or that solution vision look like? So we've been focusing very much up till now on making sure that uh, the data is very much automated and that, that the system actively helps you with following up, which is the basic issues that had to be solved in CRM. I do believe that there's many more uh, opportunities coming there. Um, much more of the sales process can be digitalized. Uh, some of the things we don't digitalize yet in our system is uh, like... A, the, the conversations that you're having, and this is not mined yet. And there's a lot of other things uh, in terms of types of data that we can still involve. So there's certainly still a, a future there. And then when, when AI uh, starts being viable, then we can, we can unleash all kinds of stuff in terms of suggestions that help you or prioritizations or automated sort of things it does. And in the meantime, we've also started building out some of this uh, automation layer uh, on top of the data, like the system that sends out uh, automated email sequences that we can also expand to all kinds of other types of uh, sales interactions. I believe that like, based on all the data that we can start gathering as sales teams, we'll go more and more towards a future where uh, salespeople don't have to spend their time on software. Software actually helps them and it organizes a whole lot of stuff for them so that they can build better client relationships and, and focus much more on the things that salespeople are inherently good at and that they like to do, which is talking with customers, finding solutions, helping them instead of like all these stupid other things. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as a co-founder, that makes you a prospect for other sales professionals that are out there. I'm always <laughs> curious to understand if somebody doesn't have a trusted referral into you, what works for you to capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar? It starts from um, understanding what I need. Lots of people contact me for stuff that I, I would never buy. So that's, that's <laughs> step number one. But then step number two, to actually convince me to get on a call. Some of the things that have worked on me, I think if you mention 
who you work for and it's companies I know that helps. It's sort of a proxy for a referral, you could say. I, I think that's probably the most powerful thing you can do. Say, okay, we had success with these companies and I know these companies, I respect those companies or their competitors or whatever. That tends to get my attention. Excellent. All right. Last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If there was one thing you could tell sales professionals, one piece of advice you could give them that you believe if they listen to would help them hit or exceed their targets, what would it be and why? Maybe a relevant one right now. Uh, also thinking back to what I just said is uh, hyper-targeting. I noticed that many uh, fellow software companies have, how can I say, refined their uh, target market over the past six months to make sure that they have a, a higher rate of success with their uh, prospects as um, some, some prospects might be less likely to buy right now. I think in general, it's good practice, but especially now, and especially based on all the data that is available nowadays, to really make use of that data, collect as much as you can, and use that to understand which are really the best prospects to focus on, uh, and which ones are the best ones to focus on first. That would be my advice. Excellent. Appreciate that. And so, Yarun, if a listener is interested in learning more about these topics, talking to you and or learning more about Salesflare, is there a specific place you want us to send them? Do you prefer the website, you on LinkedIn, some other place? Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah, so the, the website is uh, salesflare.com. Uh, Salesflare is with F-L-A-R-E. If you want to try the software, there's a button at the top right. Uh, you get a trial of... Uh, I think up to 30 days, depends on the amount of uh, steps in the setup you do. It's a sort of a, a gamified uh, type of trial. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so on LinkedIn. There's only one person with my name, so it's not too difficult to find me. But please do include uh, a message. Otherwise, I cannot distinguish you from all the, the daily spam I get. Right, right. If you're not going to send a message, don't bother, right? Excellent. Yeah. All right, thank you. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on the show. It's been great to have you. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share with friends, family, coworkers. If you like what you hear, do us a favor, leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.